one of the best ways you can uh, use professional development is to really understand the pulse of your organization, the pulse of your culture. Welcome to the second episode of the Executive Leadership Podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to be speaking with Bob Hobby on the value of professional development and training within organizations. So to tell you about who Bob Hobby is, Bob Hobby is the president and CEO of Service Elements International. Uh, so he has over 35 years of experience in the aerospace and business and general aviation industry. Bob has held various executive positions at Flight Safety International, uh, Honeywell, and also responsible for training thousands of aviation professionals from all sectors of the industry. Um, so Bob later joined uh, Meder in the role of vice president and manager for all business aviation activities. And so Bob also has held executive positions on several boards, including the Arizona Business Aviation Association, the NBAA Business Aviation Management Committee, and nine years on the Scottsdale Airport Commission. He is also the co-author of Building a Service Culture and has published numerous articles on workforce development and is a frequent keynote speaker at business aviation industry events. So in 2003, out of sheer passion for the aviation industry, Bob Hobby launched Service Elements International Inc. And the purpose of this organization is to develop and solve challenges in the business and general aviation industry. Service Elements has grown into an industry icon addressing topics such as service culture, leadership, teamwork, communications, human factors, and organizational development. So we hope you enjoy the value that this podcast is going to bring to you with Bob Hobby, where we talk about the value of professional development and training within organizations. Hope you enjoy. Well, Bob, thank you so much for uh, coming again on our podcast and um, looking forward to our discussion today. Um, so today and today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the value of professional development and training in your organization. So thank you again, Bob, for, for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we prepping for this podcast, we had a very good discussion on professional development and training. Um, so first of all, I want to start with, you know, going back to basics a bit is what is professional development and training? How do you define this? You work with service elements, you work in this space, you've been working in this space for over 20 years now. Um, so what does it mean for, for you and, and your, your organization? Uh, well, it's, uh, it's a topic that's continued to evolve uh, throughout the years. Uh, when we first started out many years ago, professional development was really looked upon, especially in in an aerospace aviation industry as a, as a technical um, topic. Uh, that you're professionally developed to be able to fly airplanes or fix airplanes or schedule and dispatch and flight attend and so on. Um, that has changed. Uh, and it's changed uh, mainly because of a, a number of elements. Um, but the main uh, thrust of professional development, I believe, is developing people uh, beyond academic, academic type learning. Uh, more practical, more about uh, the job, more about the company, more about the organization, more about their customers. 
things that are much more, much closer to the ground level, if you will, than let's say getting a uh, master's degree uh, and at a at a university, which is which is a terrific thing and that's great. Uh, but then we we need to bring it back into the industry that you're part of and develop people at a professional level, um, at a job uh, description level. Um, so that's, I think that's what, it, for us, that's what, what it means. It may, may not be as, as clear for a lot of people, but that's because it encompasses so many things uh, professional development does. And so I think that's, that's the best description. So Bob, you know, as we kind of continue to kind of build a foundation here, why, why should professional organizations look for development in their people? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, that's a very now question, Travis. It's a, uh, it's something that's become more and more prevalent. Uh, the need is there. We've seen a tremendous uptick in the need. Uh, for again, various elements are involved here. Uh, one of them, for example, is the the huge wave of retirement, uh, a lot of experience leaving industries, right? Uh, departing from industries. Um, so that leaves a big vacuum. Um, and then even then, um, uh, there's still the elements of change and massive changes going on workforce, uh, in technology, uh, in culture that really requires uh, folks to constantly uh, pay attention to the pulse of their people. And one of the best ways you can uh, use professional development is to really understand the pulse of your organization, the pulse of your culture. And so it's a two-way street. It's never a one-way uh, it's it's an organizational development uh, move to to professionally develop your people, and uh, it's uh, it, it, the jobs are so specific these days. Uh, they're very specific. Not even two exact same size companies have completely different cultures, you know, in in the same space, and so it is incumbent on the company to really take on the step of professionally developing their teams, their respective teams, to uh, teach them their business, their specific business. Yeah, and then when we, when we uh, talk about development and training within the organization, you know, there are various organizations that are, are trying to internalize professional development and training yeah. And then there are some organizations that are going external. Right. And I remember when we were preparing for this podcast, we had a very good discussion on the pros and cons of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what are what are the, some of the things that organizations and senior leaders and executives should consider, whether it's it's best to internalize development and training for their people or to seek external uh, support for that? Right. No, I think that's a great, uh, that's a big question today, you know, it, and, and, and it's on a lot of folks' minds, and, and rightly so. So we believe that every organization, every company, uh, doesn't matter what size they are, they should have uh, professional development programs uh, internally. So, however, uh, we also believe that those programs need to be segregated. 
uh, what I mean by segregated is if it's technical, if it's your, about your computer systems, it's about uh, company processes, procedures, I think it's a great idea to have an internal training program uh, because those are those are some things that that are very dear and near to a uh, a company, an organization, and frankly, only really people in the organization should should be doing that because they would be very close to it. Um, on the other side of that coin is when it comes to developing uh, the culture right of the organization let's say you really want to elevate the service culture of your organization um it is it it almost becomes if you start to do that internally it becomes incestuous so you don't see any any opportunities for growth right so you're teaching the same thing over and over whereas the purpose of that type of training may be to create change to, to, to make a shift in the culture, right? And to, uh, to, uh, to help people uh, behave differently towards customers and so on, right? That's just an example. Um, so the things that we've seen, some of the things honestly are just, it's a shame because I understand, uh, we understand what people are concerned about, you know, cost and expense and so on and so forth and internalizing things seems to be uh, an easier thing to do uh, when you develop, uh, when you create a training department, it's headcount internally, right? Uh, whereas when you go outside, you're, you're, uh, you're spending capital, right? So it's, it's a little bit of a challenge there. Uh, but I also think sometimes we just see things that are just really counterproductive uh, for people. i just give you an example. Um, again, the service culture, right? So somebody wants to decide, okay, we're gonna enhance our service culture. We're gonna elevate it even further than it already is, right? And so they, they pick some of the best people in their teams that are employed by them, uh, that are providing excellent service. So they pluck them away from that, uh, from that core competency, okay? And I wanna turn them into trainers which is really, really uh, a counterproductive because for two reasons. One is you're taking your best people away from what they do best, <laughs> right? And you're putting them in a role that they may not be the best, the role being a trainer, okay? A professional developing person, um, developer. So it, it's really an old way of thinking about things. But we're also, the good news is we're also seeing that people are, uh, organizations and leadership starting to see the see the difference, uh, but they're still out there. That uh, oh hey, we'll do it ourselves. Um, okay, but who's going to do it? And by the way, do you have the core competency of being a facilitator, being a, a trainer? Um, the other thing that that's kind of a, a really a, a big issue is that when it comes to a behavioral and organizational culture type professional development. Um, if you go outside the organization, people come to you with a lot of great experience and background, uh, a lot of benchmarking, right? A lot of different perspectives, which help you make 
better decisions about where you want to go. Uh, they challenge the status quo because they're not attached to the organization. That's one of the things that we were talking about the other day. There is a there's an advantage to somebody not being attached to the organization so they can ask the hard questions, so they can ask the tough questions and to get to get people to think. So when you're developing people professionally, one of your jobs is to make people think about things they don't normally think about. That's part of a professional development person's job. And when you choose someone internally to do that, then you kind of put a cap on that, right? You put a cap only because the person's inside the organization. And a lot of the audience will only respond so much as opposed to somebody from the outside. So the effectiveness becomes questionable uh, for internal efforts. Uh, so by all means, at the end of the day, I think companies should do both, right? They should have internal uh, professional development uh, targets and people uh, that that help them. But that, to me, that's more in the practical, in the more of the day-to-day -day blocking, tackling type uh, work, processes, procedures, software, uh, accounting practices, you name it, you know, marketing practices, sales approach, this, that. All that should be done internally. On the other hand, if you're going to try to uh, elevate the culture, uh, you're better off with someone from the outside unattached and unabashed to, to with your team is it kind of coming in and asking the hard, hard questions. Uh, we often hear from some of our customers when we work with them and say, I need leadership. Uh, they always tell us, yeah, I need to hear the hard truths. And uh, the, the challenge with doing that internally is that you don't really hear the hard truths. You pretty much hear the status quo. And so that's the reason why we, we highly recommend people have training internally, but only to a certain extent. There's a part of that that it's like going to an expert, right? That's the reason I'm not my own doctor or my own surgeon. Um, you know, it's the reason I'm not uh, my own plumber <laughs> or whatever. It's because there's a point that you need to, you know, defer to the experts uh, to, to do things. Yeah, you just unpack so much right there that uh, I think is so key to um, understanding the need for the for leadership development and having that outside person. You know, as we spoke about before, there's just those things that that I could come into your organization and say that maybe you couldn't say because of your right. relationship and your proximity to those people. Um, and just the, the, the having someone who's not so closely, uh, intimate to the, to the, the culture. And right. it's just like bringing someone new into your organization. How right. quickly can they just go in and point out all of the, the flaws and the issues is because they're, they, they're seeing things from a, a new perspective. Right. Right. You know, all these things you said is, is so valuable, but why do you believe companies still continue to reject leadership development? Well, I, I think, again, part of it I kind of alluded to was uh, some of it is cost, right? Uh, this type of uh, going outside is uh, capital needs to be spent, right? Whereas if you hire people, they become part of your headcount, right? So it's a, it, some of it is a financial issue. 
that uh, it, it's not it's not that it, it's necessarily more expensive. It just has a different bucket in your uh, spreadsheets, right? Uh, so that's a, a little bit of a rejection. Um, the other one is that, uh, well, you know, I don't want somebody from outside to know our dirty laundry. Uh, because as, as you go in, if, if you're truly doing some, some uh, in-depth work uh, for people, you're going to learn a lot of their inside issues. Uh, you're going to learn a lot of their uh, uh, positives and, and negatives, the flaws and the excellence, right? Um, so I think that's that's uh, sometimes uh, intimidating for some, right? We've had people say, "Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if we want that much of training um, because you're you're going to be asking a lot of questions. You're going to be uh, facilitating give and take, and we don't know how much of that we really want." I, I'm being very honest with you. I've had those words have actually been said to us in a few a few times. Um, so I think that's a, uh, that's a, uh, also an issue. The other part for rejection is, uh, is really uh, traditional mentality towards professional development. Uh, traditional being, uh, look, when I, you know, when I first entered the workforce, uh, when you hired people for a certain, for a certain position or job, uh, the assumption was they knew how to do it, right? They knew how to do it, and it was mainly 90-plus percentage of the job was focused on technical capabilities, technical issues, uh, proficiency, right? Technical proficiency. But what we've learned, which was actually the premise of starting service elements 20 years ago, what we've learned is that the future is all about people issues, the skills uh, the technical skills uh, are much easier to train people on, a much simpler process of training. Um, what's, what's challenging is developing an organization, developing a sense of excellence in an organization. Um, and how do you do that? That's intangible, right? That's very much in the air, whereas the technical skills are very much tangible, right? You can see it. Um, so I think that's that's a change that a lot of folks have not quite seen yet, or or maybe they've seen but they don't know how to address it. What we're saying is the future is all about people development. Uh, as as the world is becoming more and more uh, sophisticated, if you will, uh, at the same time complicated you know, we, we become uh, much more, we need to become much more laser focused on our organizations and our culture. Uh, so I think that's a transition that's still underway, but I, I, I agree with you. There's still a lot of folks that push back and are not seeing the value. Um, and that's, that's, that's a shame, but it, uh, the half full glasses also that uh, a lot of people are, and a lot of people are taking advantage of, of this new environment for developing people. Um, so I think that's that's my my understanding right now is that a lot of folks just want to uh, want to stay with the status quo, and that's just not it's not going to happen because the, everything around us is changing. <laughs> so 
uh, status quo is not going to do it. Now talking about, um, you know, kind of furthering our discussion a little bit is how, how do you think professional development needs to change in the future to continue to reach people and make that impact so that company? Well, I think uh, one of the ways that uh, we're seeing big change is uh, although we're saying go outside, right? Uh, you're better off uh, bringing folks from outside, but then those folks need to really understand your organization, really understand uh, your, the purpose of your business. Uh, so I think one of the key elements of professional development for future is going to be you have to be laser focused on what is it that you want to accomplish, right? Where do you want to be? Uh, where is the future of your organization? And, I'm, and it's very organizationally specific. Uh, it's not one for everybody. Uh, there's certain things that are very helpful for everyone. But if you're going to spend capital, if you're going to spend time and uh, both uh, human capital as well as uh, financial capital on a professional development program, uh, the best thing to do is uh, paint the canvas first. You know, where, where do we want to be? Where should this, where, how should we land where you want us to be? And also recognize some of the benefits of professional de development. I, I tell you, it's, we use this example a lot, and I'm going to use it right now because it's just so uh, powerful. Uh, Naomi Osaka, tennis player, right? Uh, a few years back, and I don't know the time frame on this. Do you, have you guys uh, heard about this? It's really cool comparison of, of, of improvements. So her serve returns were at, you know, 48 point some whatever percent. Her uh, return on a couple of the stats on her side were, were uh, at mid-range. At that time, she was the 65th ranked tennis player in the world. And she her salary ranged uh, right around two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. Don't don't hold me to exact numbers, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm accurate on most of this. Well, she went off and she improved her serves and eked out a 0.1 percent improvement, right, uh, on her serves. On her returns, she eked out uh, point whatever one eight percent improvement. Very very small, very incremental. Um, and a couple of other things that she improved on, but again, small changes, not huge percentage shifts or anything. Well, that caused her to become number three in the world and her salary and her income went to $35 million a year from 250,000. So the point I'm trying to make here is about professional development. Professional development should help move the needle. Okay, move the needle of the organization. Uh, you need to be able to see, for example, again, if you're focusing on service or you're focusing on, uh, which I think, honestly, from our perspective, that's a great canvas to shoot for. If you want to really have your people uh, be professionally developed and have an impact, uh, focus on the service that you provide or the product that you produce. Uh, that's a great place to aim for. So I, I think people have to see that professional development, even if you have incremental uh, and very small change, 
or improvement, it could have exponential impact on your organization. Um, so I think that's the way we the, of the future is to see professional development as very targeted, very laser pointed professional development. Also one that's, uh, that's not just focusing on theory. Okay. A lot of our workshops, we do case studies, we do scenarios and we build those scenarios based on interviews with the customer prior to the workshops. Um, and so that we can, we can ask, uh, tough questions about those scenarios. Um, and I think that's one of the things that people just, uh, really need to hone in on. So yes, professional development, absolutely a necessity for future. What's challenging is how do you structure it? And you have to, you really have to be able, we have a customer that's been with us for 18 years. They come back every year, uh, with same groups of people. And we talk about different types of developing. And by the way, they, a few years back, they were ranked number one, uh, in product support in all the, uh, industry ma magazines. So, and they did attribute a lot of that to, to the work that we've been doing with them. So professional development for the future need to have patience, need to have commitment. And the other thing that professional development, you need to understand that's a part of your culture is the millennials, the younger generation that's coming into the workforce, actually they're already here, uh, way in here. Um, they're, they're looking for fit. They're looking for, um, uh, a, a good place to work. They're looking for a place that invests in, in them. And what a better way, what better way to show, uh, your team, your company, your organization, and your people that by having multitudes of professional development programs, both internally and externally, we are investing in you, uh, and in your future. I think that becomes uh, a third item that's really critical for professional development. So there's, there's multitudes of reasons here to use this tool. Um, uh, but it's like any other tool, like, you, 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 you can, you can, you guys know that you can buy a tool and leave it in the garage for years, or you can buy a tool and use it. Uh, this can, can be super impactful, uh, to any organization, uh, especially like, you know, if you're trying to manage talent, you know, if you're trying to maintain talent in your company, um, they look for the talent looks for development. They, they're not satisfied just being talented up to that point. They want the future. They want you to develop their future talent. So this is a great way to get folks to, to really, uh, latch on to your company, to really become loyal to your organization. Uh, companies that do a lot of those types of programs, you can see their retention is, uh, retention rates are much better than the ones that don't. So it's, it, yeah, this is a big deal. This is a really big deal for the future. I mean, we don't have a lot of control over a lot of things, but this is one that we do have a lot of flexibility and control over. So kind of keep on that, uh, that what you just said about retention, you know, um, I think this is probably the biggest question that 
the three of us probably ever have with with companies and with customers yeah. is I need I need help with retention. You know, I'm 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 seeing seeing numbers. I'm I'm having to hire at levels that I've never hired at before. You know, as soon as I get someone in the door and get them comfortably trained, they're moving on. Um, this is a this is a scary time for a lot of company owners and business leaders. Yeah. Um, how how have you seen professional development affect retention directly? Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the most important things is that that additional attachment, the emotional attachment to an organization. Because if you're investing in me, okay, that makes me feel like I'm part of something important to you. Okay. Especially if I know that you don't have to do it. Right. It's not a, it's not a requirement. It's completely discretionary. But if it, if I see that as a, as a newcomer, as a young, younger uh, person that has a long career ahead of them, that, that means something to me. That means something to, to my family that all of a sudden becomes a personal type of an issue for me. Because you're not just paying me whatever just to come in and, you know, crank out whatever work it is that you want me to crank out and then go home. You're investing in my future by professionally developing me to do more, to learn more, to acquire more knowledge, but more practical knowledge, right? You're not sending me to school to get another master's degree. You're giving me because remember that started years ago, companies started paying for degrees and so on and so forth, which is great. It's wonderful. It's a great uh, thing. But it also created that sense of attachment to an employee that, look, my company really appreciates me. They're helping me get my degree. What we're saying is this is more of the same, but in a different way uh, that people want to know that they're being invested in. So I think, uh, yeah, it's paying for schools and stuff is great, but also paying for professional development. Uh, somebody who knows my job or understands how to ask hard, hard questions from me so that I can eke out that couple of percentage points to, to improve, uh, which may have exponential results. Um, so really professional development is, is uh is another uh, way of paying people, you know, uh, compensation. Uh, it's a way to compensate people for, for being with, with your company, uh, with your organization. Um, and, you know, because I also, you know, Travis, I think what, what we talked about earlier was that how do you do professional development? What's, what's the professional development of tomorrow? And if you do it like, the old traditional classroom stuff, uh, you're going to get marginal impact. But if you do it in today's environment where it's interactive, uh, looking for people's input, uh, that's enormously powerful to, to, hey, I know we just hired you and we're training you and we're developing you, but we are interested in hearing you. We're interested in hearing your point of view. And that's another part of this whole idea of professional development. Uh, so there's a category of professional development that's also important. You know, there's a quality and a caliber that's also important. You can't just uh, shotgun blast and send people to this, that, and the other seminar. 
right? Um, you can, you can, you need to be laser focused. They need to know that you're serious. They need to know that you're going to stick to it. Uh, the commitment is there uh, and it's strong. And I think that that's, that's going to make a big difference with uh, the future generations um, of, of, of any, any given organization, because uh, we live in an environment where things are changing much, much faster than ever before. Constant shift and change. So uh, the more you prepare your team, your respective team, by professionally developing them, um, not just giving them a, a, a you know bigger laptop or a more powerful laptop, but explaining what I'm expecting from you with giving you this powerful laptop, what kind of output we're looking for, uh, and how it's going to impact our organization or our customers or your teammates uh, in the company. So that that sense of attachment is what I think uh, has been lacking. Uh, and therefore, come, people come and go. Um, now, as far as, you know, I've heard this a lot. Well, why should I pay for this and that, you know, uh, training or pro professional development program where I know this person might be jumping ship in six months? And so, well, that's, that's like a double negative. Uh, one is, how do you know that if you do this program, they probably won't jump ship because they'll feel attached to the organization. They, they'll feel invested in. Um, and then the other thing is whatever you're trying to develop them on, whatever skill sets or uh, behavioral skills that you're trying to teach them. So you're saying it's okay for them not to have that for six months <laughs> inside your organization. And how great is that going to be? You know, uh, you, you need to, have professional development where, yes, it's going to be a bigger part of the budget for the future, and it's going to be an ongoing one. Uh, so you, you have to be able to see the benefit. You need to get past um, the, the possible, you know, uh, negatives that could come. People get educated and they leave. I'd rather have people who are uh, better educated, better uh, prepared to do their day-to-day -day jobs, even if they're going to be there for a few months and, and then leave. So, yeah, I love that saying. It says, you know, well, what happens if I train them and they leave? And it's like, what happens if you don't train them and they stay? They stay. Right. <laughs> right. Right. We used to, we used to say that all the time. It's like, okay, well, if they, <laughs> they decide to stay, I guess you're just going to have to have this, uh, <laughs> really subpar, uh, uh performance yeah uh bob to kind of wrap up this discussion is is what are you seeing in in professional development and the training space what do you what are you seeing that organizations um are looking for support on in, in yeah. today's world well the majority of our customers come to us uh again we we talk about this all the time because there is a fallacy about professional development also when you put people in classes they go oh we you know screwed this up and that's why they put us in, in in school to fix us so we we absolutely you have to project that no you're you're already great we're trying to make you greater we're trying to make you better by putting you through this program so we're not trying to fix you 
So the perception of professional development is very important. Organizations and companies, we coach a lot of CEOs and presidents and heads of organizations. And when they bring us in, we we practically beg them to please don't make this sound like you're fixing people. Okay. In fact, put put the onus on the on the fact that they already are great, and that's why you're investing in them. And that's why they're going to learn even more and better and eke out even better percentages and better performance rooms. So that's one thing that I think is very important for the perception of uh, how we project professional development, uh, regardless of what, what arena we're in. Um, so that the, the other thing is it has to be uh, a, a real program. So it has to be a program that is actually impacting uh, the organization, you know, like down to earth, down to the ground level. Um, so there is some homework that needs to be done by the professional development team that needs to understand the audience, needs to understand their challenges, needs to understand the, the organization's challenge. Uh, and so that they can hone in on uh, really bridging some of the key uh, components of, for example, leadership or communication to the real world uh, application of people. Does that, does that make sense? So uh, otherwise, it's just the shotgun blast uh, approach, which doesn't really do anything. Uh, I mean, it does, but it moves the, the needle very slightly. Uh, so I think the future professional development has to be well thought of, well planned. It has to be long term, and it has to be uh, one that you completely are committed to seeing it through. And it also needs to, you know, uh, shift and change based on company, based on customers' behaviors, based on technology behavior, and so on and so forth. So I think um, it's a dynamic. It has to be a dynamic program. Uh, I love the fact that say, uh, you know, people used to say, well, you know, I went to this class 10 years ago and it was a really good class. So I think we should send some more people I'm like, wow, 10 years, you know, how many things have changed in 10 years? So that's, that's, a, that's, <coughs> that's part of the future that I think we, we see is a dynamic, uh, lively program that stays on top of everything that's going on in the organization. So as we kind of wrap up, there's a couple of free kind of just uh, random questions that we like to ask some of our guests. We, I think, Bob, we may have asked you a few of these last time. Okay. But, uh, we'll go through them again. Um, so the first one I love to ask is, dead or alive, who would you love to have lunch with? Oh, gosh. That's a long list. <laughs> one person. <laughs> one, one person. I, I, would, I would love to uh, have lunch with... Uh, Abraham Lincoln. Mm. Yeah, I would really love to, you know, be, be able to spend some time with him. Mm. But the list is very long, but that's okay. I'll, I'll pick him. If you ask <laughs> that, me next week, I might pick somebody different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That one makes a lot of sense. Um, so I like to ask this question because it's just, it just kind of gives me insight into things that you've accomplished, things you've done. Um, so I like to ask it like this. What is something that you've done maybe in your past that we should do? What's an experience that we should go through 
Uh, what's yeah. something you've done in your past that we should do? Yeah. Well, I, I'll give you a general one. And I actually just uh, spoke at it at the last week's conference. Uh, one is, uh, you know, we grow up being told, uh, be successful, you know, do the best you can, be successful, be successful, it, strive for success. And, you know, one thing that I learned a long time ago uh, was it's much better to be valuable than successful. If I learn to figure out how to be valuable, um, success is much more organic and much more natural. It comes with it because I'm, I'm giving value. I'm producing value. So this is something that uh, we talk in our leadership programs that uh, we offer is that the up and uh, up and coming leaders is that we talk about it's great that you have ambition. It's great that you want to be successful, but stop trying to be successful. Instead, focus on being valuable, because if you're valuable to your customers, to your organization, to your bosses, to your peers, then your success is guaranteed and much more much more natural. The one key element of that, uh, Travis, I think is because when you're trying to be successful, it's about you. <clears throat> when you're trying to be valuable, it's about others. And it has a, it's a completely different zone to be living in uh, when you're trying to be valuable. Find what else can I do to produce value for whoever I'm dealing with? So that's, that's my, my thing that I've, I've learned a lot and, and I, you know, we have a, a vehicle through service elements and our, uh, programs to do that for, for our audiences and constituents. Uh, if you could narrow it down, what would you say is one of the greatest lessons you've learned in the 20 plus years or more being in the leadership space? Okay. This is going to be a funny one. Okay. I'm going to tell you this <laughs> because we learned, <clears throat> years earlier uh earlier on we learned that when we're doing these workshops not everybody in the workshop is actually thrilled to be there shockingly uh some of them are actually pretty disgusted with the fact that they're being asked to sit in a workshop like this so we learned that the more objections people had the people who objected the most needed the workshop the most <laughs> they were they were actually always but because we'd hear it you know somebody would push back a little bit on something that we're talking about in the program about leadership about communication about teams service on and on and people that push back the most when we take a break a lot of people come to us and see that guy he needs this the most that's why he's pushing back on it because he doesn't he doesn't believe in it so that's what I, I would say to, to you, if someone is being negative or, or challenging, uh, you know, uh, unruly, if you will, <clears throat> most likely you've hit a nerve with them and you've exposed the nerve and they don't, they don't like that. So it's, we learn how to manage those issues, those types of uh, encounters without making people feel bad or terrible without having to kick them, kick them out. <laughs> so, so that's the, that's, uh, I hope that's helpful. And my final question before I hand it back over to Cameron is, uh, as leaders, you know, leaders often are 
readers, you know, so what have you read lately that you would find valuable to pass along? Well, I think uh, uh, one uh, uh, book that I was very impressed with is, uh, uh, and it was, it's an older one, but I just recently reread it. Uh, it's by Stephen Covey, the, the son, it's not the, the father. Um, it's called the uh, speed of trust. Mm. Um, I think that's a, that's an, and an only reason is because honestly, I've worked for a, a Berkshire Hathaway company and, uh, Warren Buffett and, uh, the, you know, the, the, his, he's famous for making deals on a handshake, uh, multi-billion dollar deals mm. on a handshake. And, uh, uh, I always was impressed as to how. Uh, he can cut through the chase and um, trust somebody to be able to do that, you know, to say, okay, all right, we've got a deal. We'll, we'll do this. Uh, and because it involved so many people and so much, um, you know, so much money, so much finances. So I think that that's a really good book. I, I, I've got another one that, uh, again, it's an older one, but it's oldie, but a goodie, as they say. And I refer to it uh, frequently. Um, it's a great book to understand the transition of technology and everything around us changing. It's called The Paradox of Choice. And uh, it's by Barry uh, Schwartz uh, is the author. And he actually did a lot of uh, uh, research on, in this book about um, how uh, the good news is the world has moved forward and we have truly many, many great choices. You know, you can go to any place and get what you want as opposed to buying the, the whatever is on the shelf, right? Um, that's good news. The bad news is the same. You have many, many choices. So the decision-making process has become difficult. It's become challenging. You need advice. You need to ponder things. You need to recognize what your future use of the item is and the service is and so on. So it's a great book and highlighting the, the wonderfulness of all technology and all the new products and services that are available to us, but also highlighting how that can, that, that can make things a little bit uh, tough to make choices. The decision-making process, the speed of decision is, uh, is, uh, is, is what often slows us down. Um, so it's, uh, both those books are, I'm very, uh, very attached to, I actually refer to them uh, from time to time. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. Uh, I think we've, we've all learned a lot here about, you know, the value of professional development, leadership development and training within organizations and, Today we live in a different world, and th these terms mean uh, a bit different yeah. today. Yeah. And I'm glad you you touched on a lot of great key important points that I think our audience, whether you're an executive leader, leading an organization, business owner, hope you can have great takeaways on when you're evaluating the value yeah. of professional development and training. So, thank you, Bob, for for taking the time and and being. Thank you. Podcast. Uh, uh, thank you both for uh, for having this podcast, and thank you for inviting me. I always uh, I always appreciate it. Yeah. Yep. I know this is going to be uh, our first discussion with with many more to come. Okay. Great. 
Well, I'm here, uh, uh, and as long as I'm here, I love doing this this type of thing. It's, it's my lively uh, ness and livelihood in many ways. But uh, uh, by all means, uh, you know, the good news is everything is constantly shifting and changing, and that's why uh, your podcast is in a, in a form in uh, by itself is a form of professional development. <clears throat> so, thank you for doing it. Thank you for being a part of it. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, we hope this podcast with Bob Hobby really helped add value to your leadership and that you understand the value of professional development and training within your organization. Um, So you can connect with Bob Hobby on LinkedIn or check out their website at serviceelements.com. Again, also serviceelements.com. Thank you for tuning in into the Executive Leadership Podcast. If you want to find out more about what we're doing, um, you can check out our website, tcadvisorygroup.com. Again, our website is tcadvisorygroup.com. There you'll find our social media platforms where you can connect with us and uh, hope you tune in on the next episode, which will be with Carolyn Stern as we talk about emotional intelligence. And that podcast will go live in about two weeks. Thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you on the next podcast.